Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue podcast, the best question mark Chelsea podcast out there. I think Nick's going to nod his head and agree with that one. Best in the land. Look at us. We are back doing another preview of a Premier League side, uh, previously a championship side, for the upcoming Premier League season. And if you know anything about your Chelsea history, you know that Chelsea and Leeds, or as affectionately they're called in most circles, I believe, Nick, dirty leads from dirty a Chelsea leads, perspective. Yes, of course. We had to do a little bit of a preview about what's going on down at Ellen Road with Leeds, with Bielsa, and None other than Dan Moylan, who runs the Square Ball podcast, been running for over 10 years now, is joining us to give us the lowdown on Leeds. Dan, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having a dirty Leeds fan on your show. <laughs> well, I, we haven't received the invite yet for uh, an opportunity to come on your show, so we might have just ruined that in the first uh, two minutes here. <laughs> Uh, well, we, we're excited. What we're going to do in this episode, we're going to just kind of talk a little bit about uh, you know, what's kind of the situation at Leeds, obviously getting promoted, winning the championship last season, coming back to the Premier League for the first time in a 
long time. Uh, some of the key arrivals and departures, maybe kind of how the squad under Bielsa is improving to get ready for what is going to be a compact Premier League campaign. And then we're going to, you know, have a little fun, learn a little bit about that Leeds perspective, about what's going on to Chelsea. In fact, as we're recording, the Kai, uh, Kai Havertz transfer news has been finalized as we start recording this. So uh, you're going to get a little bit of the Kai Havertz excitement bump out of Nick Ferlaini. And then we're going to project the season ahead, make some uh, obvious projections that will be completely wrong and uh, then get you out of here we signed a terrible player at a terrible time so let's just keep it moving (laughs) uh well anyway last time chelsea played leeds 19th of december 2012 it has been a minute as they say leeds lost one to five in the league cup versus chelsea Uh, just in case you're wondering that is seven years eight months and at time of recording 16.4 days ago but who's counting (laughs) <laughs> but who is counting? Uh, so anyway, you know, Dan, looking at just, you know, the getting promoted, you know, getting back up to the Premier League, the the season kind of the second, I believe, season or set third season under Bielsa. Like, how excited are you for the, the season ahead? Very excited. Um, Bielsa, he's a magician. I don't know what it is that he does on that training ground, but the guy has got, he's got a magic touch. And this last two years, it's been like a dream come true. I know your boy, Frank Lampard, dealt us a little bit of a blow when we tried to escape the uh, the championship a year ago, but it was a good learning experience for us because the football we've watched over the last two years, I mean, I'm old enough to have seen Leeds get promoted in 1990 and then to lift the league championship uh, two years later in 1992. I saw us in the Champions League 20 years ago, but this is the best football I've seen in my lifetime. Well, that is uh, no no small praise. Then you know, if we look at just at the results for last season, so yeah, one twenty eight, drew nine, lost nine, goals four seventy seven, goals against thirty five, so plus forty two goal difference, best in the championship. And if you're going to win it, no surprise that that's the case. A total of ninety three points, pretty much at the end there really coasted there was that kind of uh, post restart bump that i think everybody had to work through but it almost looked like from the start of the season that leads just were were going to do it from beginning of the season to the end is that how you perceived it yeah you never want to kind of you know put it on the line and say we will do it we will win it this season but there was always that feeling that this had to be the season because if we hadn't gone up this time we would have lost calvin phillips it would have meant another big financial shakeup at the club. We just we just couldn't afford to do it. So I think there was always that in the background, but it was just the learning experience of the disappointment from the year before and, you know, a year older, a year wiser. And they were brilliant from start to finish last year. There was, there was a, a sort of a, a bump in the road after Christmas, which tends to happen at Leeds or has done when we've been trying to get promoted in years gone by. And that's when the chance of Leeds are falling apart always used to start with the opposition fans, (laughs) which I'm sure we will get a little bit of in the Premier League as well. We're ready for that. But to be honest, um, after sort of a four or five game wobble, they just got right back on it and uh, they cruised it up to the lockdown and we were absolutely on fire at that point. And then, yeah, there was a little bit of a wobble afterwards when we uh, played the first match against Cardiff after the return. But after that Cardiff game, we pretty much just um, romped the whole league. And I think we were worried that we'd lost the momentum, you know, going into lockdown, but actually coming back out of it again, we were fine after that first game. And it ended up quite comfortable, but I can assure you it didn't feel comfortable until it was in the bag. So, so Dan, uh, you know, obviously uh, we're, we're not watching Leeds week in, week out, um, you know, for, for just a handful of reasons. But 
uh, for for our fans, for our listeners, can you maybe talk about uh, the Bielsa effect style of play, kind of key players that helped lead you guys last season um, to to kind of winning the the championship and then moving into the Premier League? Yeah, so when Bielsa took over in the summer of 2018, he took a squad of players who had finished, I think it was, you know, mid-table, let's call it 15th or something the year before. Really, really average season. We were bad. Mm-hmm. We were bad. And the lineup for the first game of the season against Stoke in the 2018-2019 season was, to all intents and purposes, the same lineup that had finished the previous season. And fans at Ellen Road were kind of, what is going on here? What's going to happen? And we absolutely destroyed Stoke that day. And it was, whatever he did over that uh, that summer, like the eight or nine weeks of of the break, uh, the preseason training, as I said, the man is a magician. So that was our starting point with Bielsa. It's attacking football. It's attacking football. Um, patterns of play, overloads, um, quick switches from one wing to the other to create an overload. All the stuff that you see um, Pep Guardiola's Man City do. Um, Pep is very much a disciple of Bielsa. So we've been treated to kind of this almost like Man City of, of the championship for the last two years. And we fell short in the first season, but this last season, there was that kind of extra confidence. But to take the same players and just to add to the squad here and there with targeted signings, like we, we took Helder Costa from Wolves um, last summer um, because we needed an extra winger. But Bielsa likes a small squad. Um, we're going into this season in the Premier League with a small squad. He doesn't like many more than about 22, 23 in his squad, um, which is which kind of runs contrary to a lot of what uh, mm-hmm. a lot of other managers might go for. So small squads, um, attacking patterns of play, overloads, and lots of enjoyment. I, I know Nick has a quick follow-up, but before that, I'm going to guess then that Leeds were one of the sides who voted down a very sensible idea to have five substitutes for this season. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure, you know, because towards the end of um, this last season, just gone, we were making real use of of the five subs. Now, Bielsa is very reluctant to use substitutes generally, but uh, you may be aware one of our key players is Pablo Hernandez and, and Pablo is, is 35 now. So we've kind of got to use him sparingly, but um, we kind of used him like special teams almost, you know, like um, in NFL special teams to come on at half time because we had the luxury of the extra substitutes. So they would mm-hmm. rest him for the first half, wear the opposition down and then bring him on to sort of unlock the door at half time because we had the five subs available. So I don't know. I mean, I think it would suit Leeds because we've got a smaller squad actually to only have three subs. But mm. on the other hand, it might allow us to use Pablo more effectively. So you're talking about kind of a Man City-esque style of play, probably a little bit different. Um, but, you know, generally that kind of you know, free-flowing attack. Tell me about teams that you guys both struggled with in the championship, you know, styles of play that you you came up against and couldn't quite unlock the door for whatever reason, and then teams that you guys beat handily, you know, just looking for kind of styles of play as, as we head into this season. Yeah, teams that let Leeds United play give us the space to operate in will concede goals against us. We, we create a lot of attacks anyway. I mean, we played Arsenal in the in the FA Cup in January um, at the Emirates and we absolutely destroyed them for half a game. They didn't know what hit them because I don't think they've been watching us closely enough or maybe took it a little bit for granted. But I mean, they beat us in the second half. Quality shone through, but we could have been out of sight in that game. So teams who attack Leeds and give us the space to play in, I think will concede goals against us. The ones we struggled against were teams that tended to sit very deep 
and uh, play on the edge of their box and, you know, kind of two lines of four. So we will come up against that less, I think, in the Premier League. Um, But we struggled against that when we were in the championship because people just weren't giving us the space to play in. You know, we we, talked about the overloads out wide. So what we'd come up against is, you know, uh, two banks of four, if not nine players sat on the edge of the opposition box. And we were just running into a brick wall over and over again. So that's what we'll be looking for, to have more space to play. And I also think the Premier League is slightly slower than the Championship, which is a little bit more frenetic and physical. Not by a great distance. I think the, the quality's improved, but I think that little bit of extra time and less physicality in the Premier League might play into our hands a little bit. So I'm sort of quietly optimistic, but I'm not sure what to expect just yet. We we wouldn't know anything about uh, struggling against a back nine. <laughs> that was that was basically the bane of our existence as, as a Chelsea team last year. Um, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say, so let's talk about that squad then, because, you know, when you think about kind of moving back up from the championship to the Premier League, squad rebuild is going to be a little bit of the table stakes or the conversation that's going to have to be had. Leeds have definitely been busy in some of the upgrading that's happening right now. So, you know, Rodrigo just just came in. Uh, Costa's come in from from Wolves. You know, you're you're signing kind of across the the board at the moment. How do you feel about the the additions that Leeds have you know, brought in? And is there any one or two that you think are going to be the the type of addition that keeps a newly promoted side up? Yeah, again, I'm sort of quietly optimistic about the business that we're doing. I think the the signings that the transfer targets have been very targeted for specific positions. So. Um, one of the accusations that you get when you get promoted and start throwing money around is if you look at what Aston Villa did last year and Fulham in years gone by, where they threw all the money at it for 10, 12, maybe even 15 players. And you lose the identity of the side, you know, of the team. It, it loses its shape and the thing that it was good at when it got promoted. Whereas you look at what Sheffield United did last year, which was to keep their identity and then just add players, you know, carefully into their squad who would build on what they already had. I think that's closer to what Leeds have done this year. Although the sort of market that we seem to be shopping in is kind of elite level players, which has come as a little bit of a surprise, to be perfectly honest. I I think um, none of us expected to get Rodrigo. So you look at where we're targeting signers. I think Rodrigo, a a striker, was absolutely necessary. If we can get Rodrigo de Paul from Udinese, who is a fantastic attacking number 10, um, who's going to be maybe what, 30, 35 million euros. I think that will be a game changer for Leeds. But apart from that, it was the centre-back position that we needed to fill. Because on our podcast, we spoke to Angus Kinnear, who is the CEO at Leeds. He was previously CEO at Arsenal and West Ham um, in the past. So plenty of experience in this field. And he told us um, three to four key targeted signings they were looking for this summer. And I think Robin Cock at the back instead of Ben White and then Rodrigo up front. I think maybe one two more and we'll be done. Was Ben White just down due to the potential cost? You know, because he seemed to have a really meteoric rise getting linked to a bunch of top Premier League clubs. Brighton looked very keen to keep him kind of seeing that they had a gem on their hands. Was it really a cost situation? Because he seemed to fit exactly what Leeds and and Bielsa was trying to accomplish last year. Yeah, again, when we spoke to Kinnear, Kinnear said, you know, Ben White would like to come to Leeds. Um, Mm -hmm. He loved his time there. And they had the finance in place to do it up to a certain point. I think they were quite prepared to pay somewhere between 25 and 30 million pounds to secure his signature. And what he said was one of the reasons why we're prepared to go so big on him 
is because um, he's Bielsa ready. He's uh, mm. attained the fitness standards. And that's something I should have said earlier, actually. You were asking about Bielsa. He expects, I mean, crazy fitness standards. We will be, if we're not the fittest team in the, in the whole of the Premier League, I will be surprised. Um, it's ridiculous standards of body fat, um, running like he just has his players doing triple sessions in in preseason. So um, the players have got so much stamina; it's untrue. So it, it takes a while to get his players up, up to that standard. So I think they were prepared to pay that extra, maybe five million, ten million for Ben White because he was Bielsa ready and he knew exactly what he had to do and how the system works. So um, that's why they were prepared to pay the money. I think ultimately Brighton just did not want to sell him, and you know as is their right, they didn't have to and they've retained him. But um, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with his career though from this point, whether uh, Brighton can, you know, make a decent impression in the Premier League this year because if they were to go down, then I suspect they will lose Ben White anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think the question now is, we want to kind of flip it a little bit because you're giving us all this great perspective on, on leads and what we should be looking at. We'd love to turn the table a little bit and understand just what what do you what are your thoughts about Chelsea as a club and as a side right now, particularly as Leeds come back and there's a, a lot of history there. There's also the the Lampard and Bielsa uh, kind of situation that unfolded in the Championship that I'm sure no one will cover in the build up to no. either of those two no, matches. No, no. It will be an absolutely forgotten moment in time. But just would love to hear your perspective on on how do you see the relationship between these two sides unfolding this year. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see the coverage around the two fixtures. Um, we'll, we'll get, yeah, all the, the tired tropes will get um, brought out about Spygate and all that. But, you know, the TV coverage, it loves that sort of stuff, doesn't it? So if you kind of put all that to one side, it will be interesting to see what like the handshake is like between Bielsa and, uh, and Lampard. Because I think this is going to be a big season for Lampard. I think a lot of his reputation is on the line this season because... I don't want to, I want to be careful about using the phrase hide behind, but you know, the transfer ban um, gave him an excuse to, let's say, only go so far last season. I think because I think when it came down to it, Lampard's Chelsea were probably found wanting a little bit when it came to the Champions League um, and the Cup final as well. So I think now he's spent the money and he's spent big. He needs to deliver. And I don't think in Abramovich, He's necessarily got the most patient individual. When his money's on the line, he's going to want results. And I know Lampard will get a bit of time because, you know, he's an icon at Chelsea, but I don't think he'll get that much time because I think he needs to prove himself. Uh, There is an argument from the outside, I think, that Lampard, certainly from a Leeds perspective, obviously Leeds are not going to love him very much because of the whole, the playoff semi-final and dancing on the pitch and all that kind of stuff. But um I think there's a sense that from the outside that maybe Lampard's one of these managers who's kind of failed upwards. Um, mm. He's not actually done anything really. He took Derby from sixth to sixth in the championship with a massive budget and some really quality loan players. And Bielsa had him on toast for basically sort of three and a half games in that season. And then it just so happened that in the playoff semi-final, Lampard flipped the script on him and um, found something that worked and they turned us over. But um, we looked comfortable as a club did Leeds against Derby in that season. So I, I think he needs to start well, does Lampard, I think, in this next season. And I think Chelsea needs to be in the Champions League places from the get-go. Nick, I think that's what, how, how we would feel about where we need to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is interesting to hear the outsider's perspective, especially having watched him in a different league, uh, Dan, because I 
I would kind of flip your criticism on its head a little bit. Uh, I think uh, when you when you look at uh, the transfer ban, you look at bringing through 14 young players last year and Chelsea finishing above teams that spent dramatically more uh, than they did. It's it's uh, quite an achievement uh, in the first season. And uh, to your point about the spending, I don't think they spend on these types of players if they don't have a long term roadmap uh, for for Lampard and for the club. So. Uh, it will be interesting to see how it all works. Um, I, I would expect that Stanford Bridge is going to be a video-free zone here for a while, um, especially around the, the Leeds fixture. So we'll kind of see how that all evolves, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the players that they've signed, you know, all the rivalry and, you know, poking fun aside, like Havertz at, what, 21, Timo Werner at 24, Chilwell's, what, 23. Mm-hmm. They're great signings with an eye to the next five years. So it does look like, it's a bit of empire building. I mean, Thiago Silva, probably the exception because he's uh, that little bit older, but should bring in that experienced sort of Champions League level head, you would imagine. So it, they're very shrewd signings, I think. They're good signings, even I say shrewd. It's a lot of money, a heck of a lot of money, but... Um, and not you know exactly I mean? bargain basement signings there. <laughs> no, I mean, but like you look at Leeds who have just dropped 27 million pounds on um, Rodrigo and he's, he's a player who needs to deliver straight away. We're not going to get a lot of... Um, shelf life out of him but we needed some sort of elite level you know ready players if you like Um, and I think you've got elite level players there but who still have their best years in front of them so it's definitely interesting here and I think you know to to Nick's point to the the players that we have coming in uh, definitely give us fill us with excitement you know I think there's going to be now the the challenge of bouncing the squad and because it's going to swell a little bit and uh, we unfortunately have not moved on a couple of players that uh, that we need to correct Nick oh that is true um I was also gonna track back slightly to your previous comment about fitness because I you know one of the the prevailing themes that we've had throughout these season previews is that the fixture list is insane this year, as I'm as I'm sure you're well aware, Dan. Um, mm. So we we used to have a a kind of similar fitness minded coach in Antonio Conte, and you know he rotated very little in his squad, and it did burn players out over a season uh, that was not nearly as compact as this season's going to be. So I guess kind of final question before we get to predictions is how do you how do you feel like Bielsa needs to adjust his style? to what is going to be the most compact fixture list in Premier League history? Well, what he needs to do and what he will do are two different things, I think. (laughs) Um, Bielsa will not change what Bielsa does. And to be perfectly honest, there is a a kind of a narrative about the Bielsa burnout um, that maybe Mm. that's a mental thing, I think, as much as anything, because his coaching is so technical. It's very sort of tactically focused. But over the last two years, this group of players have given him complete buy-in I've never seen a set of players more committed to an idea than this set of players last year and the championship 46 games and you know most weeks it is weekend midweek weekend midweek and we got through it okay and okay we had the the break for for lockdown but it was still the same the season before the players physically are outputting exactly the same levels at the end of the season if not more than they were at the start of the season so I think it's it is a really, it's a really special level of, of fitness they attain. Um, unlike, you know, seeing output from players that you just cannot imagine possible. Like I'll give you an example. Um, Mateusz Klik, a Polish international central midfielder. He played just short of 100 games back to back for Bielsa. And his output, you know, is doing 13 kilometers, you know, sort of 
nine or 10 miles every game. It's just ridiculous, ridiculous output from these players. So with the um, smaller amount of games in the Premier League, I think that might help a little bit just to give them a little bit of recovery time. Well then, so now that we've gone through the conversation around transfers in and out, expectation, just how crazy some of the conversations are going to be around these matches, uh, because again, the media will not blow any of this out of proportion. Uh, we can get to Everything some predictions. Everything will be very calm. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be super calm. No uh, no video of the, the locker room celebrations afterward. No cr- stop crying, Frank Lampard. It's going to be <laughs> very, very tame. Uh, but let's end on some predictions looking at the season ahead. So, Dan... You know, I, I think the expectation you know for this season is maybe a a stay up, but I'm wondering where where do you think from a a target Leeds is maybe looking at for league placement finish? You know, this season is it just stay up and then kind of build in the next season to go for a Europa League spot? Like, what's the, what's the viewpoint there? Do you know what this is the first season in in a couple of years where I'm not quite sure what to expect. It'll be interesting to see how Bielsa's football translates into the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope for getting our toes into the top half. That would be, I think, would be an incredible result if we could finish in the top half. Would be absolutely happy with anything in sort of, I don't know, the 12th, 13th, 14th position. I'd I'd rather avoid the scrap and getting drawn into that late in the season. I would like, I'd take mid-table, anywhere around mid-table would be absolutely fine. But where it will actually be, I think is a tough one to call. It depends on what business we do in the transfer market over the next week or two. Nick, do you have a prediction? I, yeah, you guys are spending like you, like you want to be mid table. Um, So do Everton though, to be fair. Uh, So uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Like we we were talking about the table earlier and there, there are some teams that drastically overperformed expectation last year, like a a Sheffield United or, or Wolves or, or any of those squads. I'm not sure you guys are, are quite, there from just a squad level but uh, I think if you were to finish mid-table that would be a huge achievement after coming up yeah I would agree with that definitely I think I think we need a couple more elite level players and we may just sneak towards halfway awesome well I, I would say that my guess is somewhere in like the 10 to 12 spot range I think this season just with how challenging it's going to be I'm going to bet on managers more so than players like I, I i think you know with how challenging it's going to be i would bet on a clop i would bet on a guardiola you know lampard I, i'm going to bet on him because he's shown an ability to to get it across the line as needed i'm not going to bet on some of the squads where the managers have been replaced recently or have kind of short tenure with bielsa coming in and having uh, a proven track record i would bet on him to find a way to not have to worry too much i think that that hopefully then leads into this whole concept of like league cup FA cup. Do you think either of those, do you see a deep run for leads um, in either of those competitions this season? We'll probably have a run in one of them just despite the fact that we need to stay up (laughs) and we could do without it. If you know what I mean? Um, I think we could, we'd do well to avoid going anywhere in the cups this year, but of course, if it comes along, you always want to take it, don't you? Because this might be a good year maybe to sneak a league cup because priorities are going to be on the Premier League because, like you say, it's going to be a squeeze. So as long as we're safe, I'd be happy with that. But safety has got to be the priority. Nick, do you, do you agree? Do you think Leeds will go in deep in any cup run or do you think that it's outside yeah. the realm of possibility right now? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, have you in the last 10 years is the question. I I, I think your focus should be solely on the, on the league. And 
I th- you you stay up in the league, you're able to invest more in your squad for the following season when it's a more normalized schedule. Hopefully, in the world yep. is semi back to normal. Yeah, I I think that's the only kind of smart move for you guys right now. Yeah, and hopefully Bielsa will rotate just enough to um, to give us a chance in the cups. But yeah, it's got to be the priority's got to be the league because the money at stake is just it's huge, isn't it? It's the entire future of the club. Well, your your league cup this year should be a youth tournament, right? Like I mean, yeah, yeah. it's it's it, it, the fixture can it's just too much. Like there's not your fittest player in the world is not going to play sixty games in in essentially seven months. It just doesn't work out. Plus having the Euros hanging over you. If you're an international, it's um, it's a lot. So, yeah, I think I think there will be a fair amount of rotation, uh, as there usually is in the League Cup and the FA Cup, um, even through maybe the quarterfinals, because of you know that's really when the business needs to get done is like your February March timeline. So we'll see. All right. So for us, we probably have a harder time answering this because we are not as familiar with the full Leeds squad. But who, if your projection holds true. Leeds stay up. They finish top half of the table. Who is going to be the player that you're looking at as the player of the season for Leeds this year or the one that we all should be keeping our eyes on? Well, based on the transfer activity we've done so far, um, because you know, we're in for Rodrigo de Paul at Udinese, but not done yet. So that's still kind of a just a, an idea at the moment. So let's say Pablo Hernandez is the game changer, but Rodrigo should be the one who elevates us to the next level. Excellent. And then just to get that last little bit of a Leeds perspective around Chelsea, where do you think Chelsea finished this season? Definitely in the Champions League spots. Uh, I would say probably third. That's a good safe bet. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Nick, any last comments around Leeds before we let Dan go and uh, get excited about the upcoming Premier League season? No, I'm, I'm warming up for it. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> we, sh- we, should talk to you. we should talk to you again, Dan. Uh, when we get through when we get through those fixtures and kind of see how things go, but um, yeah, this is this is a fun one. Uh, we were we were excited to see you guys come up uh, for all the reasons that we've talked about, and and uh, it's nice to have a kind of proper rival back in the top flight. Definitely, we I mean we hope that Leeds adds something to the Premier League, and judging by the noises that have been made by the other fans on you know Twitter, then I think uh, we'll be a decent addition to the division, and hopefully we can make a little bit of noise. Well, we, we are looking forward to a little bit of a, a scrapalicious fixture between our two sides. Definitely will not be the cleanest match. I'm just going to guess. Neither how many players? Fiction. How many players stay on the pitch? Who knows? Uh, Who knows? Uh, well, it's not the 1970 FA Cup final. So uh, at least uh, two will stay on the pitch. Um, anyway, that is it. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we wish you Mostly luck in staying up, but not great luck when we face your sides. Uh, but we will definitely get you back on later this season to, to chat about Leeds. And uh, we appreciate your time today. An absolute pleasure. And I bet you say that to all the other fans. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you uh, should have heard what I said to the Arsenal podcast. I mean, good yeah, only got eyes for blue. Anyway, <laughs> Nick, a pleasure as always. Uh, but until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>